0: Hello, fellow movie lovers, and welcome to Cult Fiction, a podcast where we examine Hollywood's red-headed stepchildren. As a red-headed stepchild myself, I'm Stephanie Johnson. And I'm
1: Andy Bowell, and today we are pulling back Hollywood's crypt to reveal the bonkers-ass 1988 musical Earth Girls Are Easy. Wow. Which one is that? Vitlok. We are human now.
0: Musical, science fiction, bizarre movie that's way too overstimulating.
1: So a lot of Rocky Horror vibes coming off of this one.
0: <laughs> I said it when we were watching the movie. I think this is like if Rocky Horror and Grease had a baby together.
1: So is this like... I I, I, I see that and I raise you. This is like... Rocky Horror and Grease are playing on two TVs that are next to each other at the same volume.
0: You know, that would explain how overstimulating this movie is. <laughs>
1: right, absolutely. That and 80s.
0: That and 80s, but there's a lot going on in this. Like, the basic premise is aliens come to Earth and happen to find Gina Davis who is unhappy in her life, and she makes them over, falls in love with one of the aliens, and then goes away to space with them. Like,
1: In case you missed it. In yeah. case you
0: missed it. Very, very, very basic plot. And there's so much that happens, and then also nothing
1: happens. Yeah, I think the, the thing that I can say to sum this up as succinctly as possible, even though we're about to spend the next hour-ish talking about it, This is like a film brochure of the Valley.
0: Yeah. But only the Valley in the 80s. Right. So right before we were recording, I was talking about Julie Brown, who is Gina Davis's best friend. And it comes as no surprise that she's in Clueless, because that's that same vibe just like 10 years later.
1: Mm -hmm. Absolutely.
0: So it's very... Welcome to L.A. We live in the valley.
1: There's the Hollywood sign.
0: Oh, which is one of my pet peeves <laughs> when a movie does that. That's like my... Uh, I will say there are good movies that do that, but they're all really, really old. Sure. Um,
1: well, I think what you wrote here is it's never a good... It's not a good sign when the Hollywood sign shows up in the first five minutes. Yeah. Because then the movie is using... We are in California as, like, one of the opening things to make you want to watch it.
0: Yeah. Which is just, like, there's other ways to do that, my dude.
1: Is one of those other ways having Jim Carrey and Damon Wayans speak Gleep Glorp alien music and, like, do physical comedy for five minutes and then see boobs and get really excited? Because that's what happens.
0: Because that's what happens. I, You know, I expect, out of a lot of our cult movies, I expect the male gaze. I did not quite expect alien gaze when uh-huh. I came into this movie. And not like gaze, like fun gaze. Like,
1: ding. Gaze with a Z. Gaze with a Z,
0: where it's like, okay, men are going to be the same everywhere, I guess.
1: Right, because this movie is... No Thoughts, Just Vibes, and in its No Thoughts, Just Vibeness is like, well, yeah, everybody likes TNA.
0: Lulz,
1: it's the 80s. It's the 80s. Hey, kids, remember how Toxic Avenger opened with a gym workout montage? <laughs> everybody likes TNA. It's an easy way to get people to watch a garbage movie.
0: <laughs> okay, speaking of the first five minutes, one of the ways I know this was cult is because of the opening credits.
1: Yes, absolutely.
0: Anytime the opening credits are anything other than just like movie is happening and then something is like just rolling in front. It's like a production and I'm like best shorthand for a cult movie.
1: Yeah, and like especially the opening credits for Earth Girls are easy as the title song plays. It gets very MC Escher- the guys who drew the Yellow Submarine film. It gets very, like, visually bizarre, insane. Picture within a picture. Monty Python cartoon. Swirling acid trip visuals. It is is so much packed into just a title sequence.
0: This whole movie is so much.
1: I mean, you're not wrong.
0: (laughs) The opening title is just like, here is here is the stuff that you are signing up for.
1: Yes. Yeah, and I think it does that. It's, it's we have our, our male protagonists look like Power Ranger villains. With fur. With fur. Well, yeah, that's part of the Power Ranger thing is my thought. Um, here's just some loud noises and pretty shapes going across the screen. Oh, um, and by the way, Gina Davis, isn't she pretty folks?
0: <laughs> oh, I'm sorry, I get what you mean now. Power Ranger villains. Yes. Okay, I did say when we were watching this, I was like, this is Teletubbies if I'm in hell.
1: Yeah, sure.
0: <laughs> because there's a red one, a blue one, and an orange.
1: Orange yellow. Orange one. yellow. Yeah.
0: And then they get made over because Gina Davis's character works in a nail salon. Yeah. And
1: and Julie Brown is like a stylist.
0: Who has also in her past done poodles or like started on poodles, I think is her line. And then all of a sudden out comes Jim Carrey, Damon Wayans, and the beautiful Jeff Goldblum just like, hi, we're, we're hot now. Hi,
1: we're gorgeous. Like turns out little baby like, I thought this was Living Color era Jim Carrey. This is before Living Color Jim Carrey. This is struggling comedian. Nobody knows who the shit this man is, Jim Carrey. And turns out he is a hot little baby blonde surf boy.
0: Okay. So I'm ranking your male uh, obsessions. Oh, I know. Okay.
1: I know exactly where you're going with this. Go on.
0: Okay. So where in the. James Spader to your thing with Mads Nicholson in um Pusher Pusher
1: or Will Hannibal or anything really
0: <laughs> is Jim Carrey.
1: Well, okay, so here's the thing. It is specific. I have never thirsted after Jim Carrey except for in this role where I was like, "Oh my god, Jim baby Jim Carrey, okay, And I realize he has the James Spader blonde, light coif hair and the little, like, I'm like 24-ness.
0: I think you have a thing for blonde twinks, Andy. You might want to think about
1: this. That is what we are learning in real time.
0: (laughs) Perfect. Love that for me. (laughs) <laughs> Can't look you in the eye for the rest of the night. Yeah, let's talk
1: about this Earth Girls Are Easy movie. This is a this so the the thing about Earth Girls Are Easy is it is trying to do a Rocky horror. Yes. And it does not succeed. I would say. No. Because Correct. there nothing can match Rocky Horror except Rocky Horror. But this is supposed to be a very dumb, fun, yes, it's kind of stupid, everybody's in on the joke, and that's what we're gonna laugh at and sing along to. Look at all this gorgeous actor flash vibe. And so that is kind of like the thing. You know, we we've so often lambasted movies for being too stupid. And the thing is, like, it's supposed to be so stupid that you enjoy it. And we're like, no, you can't do that. And so, critically, this movie completely does not work. But if you just turn your brain off like the movie is asking you to and just look at the pretty shapes and colors, then that is, like, the that is the way you enjoy this movie, I think. You want to see Gina Davis in a bikini, like, talking herself out of this the shock of an alien encounter and then like surf bro Jim Carrey and like a young Damon Wayans and, an, and a prime peak of his hotness, Jeff Goldblum.
0: Yeah, I, uh, I said that I needed Balium to watch this movie because it's so overstimulating, but we would also work, I imagine.
1: You got little alien house guests. Let's see them. Jack, Valerie, those are aliens! I told you. Yeah, you know, any anything to just kind of like lower your, your prefrontal cortex.
0: <laughs> just to take the edge off, because not only is this movie just a constant, like, visual bombardment, there is so much sound that goes into this movie. Right. Because our aliens, our first, you know, our main three male characters, learn through absorption. So anytime they hear a noise, they're like, oh, yes, I can do that thing.
1: Right, which is like another way to keep the musical vibes going along is like we're not going to have a song per se, but we're going to have this sound sequence where like it's kind of like a song. It's kind of musical, but it's just the three aliens repeating noises they hear to a beat. Yeah. So this was directed by a guy named Julian Temple. And I got to tell you, if we got a nickel for every time we watched a debatably really bad 80s movie that was directed by somebody whose entire experience up until that point was music videos, and also it was sci-fi slash fantasy, we'd have two nickels.
0: That was a very long setup for me having 10 cents, Andrew. <laughs> I'm assuming the other one you're referring to is Lost Boys? Yes. Okay. This does have kind of Lost Boy vibes.
1: And I think the thing is, the through line is, so Julian Temple's whole thing is he, like, all the movies he's made before this were, like, sports doc or not sports, um, rock documentaries- And music videos. Like, this was just some dude who came up and cut his teeth with the Sex Pistols. and Like, post-Johnny and um, Sid Vicious Sex Pistols, but still. Okay. Um, Cut his teeth with the Sex Pistols Nobody Remembers, (laughs) and, and just made a bunch of musicals, and then, like, got a movie.
0: Made a bunch of music videos. Made
1: a bunch of music videos, yes.
0: I'm living in the world now where Sex Pistols have written musicals and I want it.
1: I mean that sounds like a really dope world.
0: It does. It sounds better than this one.
1: The the one of Earth Girls are easy. Yes. Yes, correct. indeed.
0: Well also this one, because like take me to any other dimension, please. Oh well that's fair. Which is what Gina Davis ultimately decides at the end of this movie.
1: You know what? You're right, Genius. and scene. And scene. <laughs> but so so that like, it makes a lot more sense. Just the bizarreness of this film because it is a bunch of music videos, yeah, taped together, yeah, and a lot of the tape is like special music video tape that is still musically as you're watching a video.
0: So my favorite is the one where Gina Davis is wrecking her ex's house backslash her house. It's kind of unclear. I'm assuming they live together. They
1: certainly seem to, yeah.
0: And she's just wrecking his shit because he brought another girl home when she wasn't supposed to be home. Right. And she's just like rolling a bowling ball into his computer and like pouring whiskey into his fish tank.
1: Yeah, killing all the fish. Moments before she starts intentionally wrecking stuff, just, just to give you a sense, listeners of Jeannie Davis's character, who's named Valerie, she's trying to be sexy and sprays perfume on the light bulb. And I utter the words out loud, Oh, Jeannie Davis, that's going to make the light bulb explode. And then the light bulb explodes. <laughs> so I appreciate that. But yeah, no, that. Okay, so you just told me what your favorite musical number of the song was, but. Do you remember a shred of the music from this film?
0: Not a damn note.
1: Yeah, right.
0: Not even the title song. You were we were preparing to sit this and like setting up our stuff and you were just singing a little song to yourself and singing Earth girls are easy, but you said it to like a specific tune. Oh
1: yeah, I was I was singing it to the tune of Don't stand so close to me. <laughs> <laughs>
0: Which I should have clued in on. But I was like, oh, is that how it goes? Because I truly could not remember.
1: Right. I I couldn't either. I know exactly the scene you're talking about with Gina Davis, like, destroying her house while wearing lingerie and a really awful blonde wig. And, like, I appreciated that scene, but I don't remember how the song goes. The only bit of song I even remember just because it's stuck in my head is there is a random beach number that is just Jim Carrey and Damon Wayans and Michael McKean, like, goofing around on a beach while somebody sings about being a blonde.
0: Yes.
1: And that song was added to the film because they were short on time.
0: Oh, my God. That makes so much more sense now, though. Because that, that entire song is like, I don't care if I have brains, I don't care if I'm smart, I'm blonde, I have more fun, look at my boobs.
1: Yes. That's the entire context of the song. <laughs> this is the entire context of the song. That comes after a nightclub song that is all about, like, I like a big dumb guy because I know he's going to throw me around and the sex will be better. But specifically because he is dumb. Yeah. I like him dumb. There is a very weird... An uncomfortable through line of this film of dumb equals good sex. Yes. Happy.
0: (laughs) Yeah. And even Gina Davis says it like if because her whole thing is that she and her fiance haven't slept together. Her fiance has been stripping everyone else on the planet apparently. And... She says in her post, like, I've been cheated on bereavement, if you were going to have meaningless sex, why didn't you have it with me? And I was like, that's something you want? I mean, (laughs) I'm not yucking your yums, girl, but, like, that's what you want with your fiancé. Okay.
1: Valerie is as light of a cardboard cutout. Mm -hmm. as we have ever seen on this, like, in this podcast. Her character is inconsistently motivated because she is constantly jumping back and forth between being in love with her awful, awful husband. Fiance. Fiance, right. Her awful, awful fiance versus, oh, Jeff Goldblum's so hot and I don't care that he's an alien. And it's just that back and forth and back and forth till the very last moment of the film with no good reason, no good buildup. Like, it is, it, it is just like, why are we doing this? <laughs> and I'll tell you why we're doing this. Okay, so we mentioned Julie Brown. Julie Brown. A couple of times. Mm-hmm. And I guess Julie Brown was a mid-'80s, Singer, songwriter, entertainer. She plays the role of Candy, the best friend in the film. This film is based off of a Julie Brown single. Okay. Called Earth Girls Are Easy. Oh, cute. And I would like you, in real time, please, huh? to pull up this song and read the lyrics that somebody went, yeah, I can make a movie off of that. All right. All right.
0: Earth Girls Are Easy lyrics. Julie Brown, Earth Girls Are Easy. Is it true what they say about Julie? There she is, let's ask her. Julie, did you really go out with an alien? Uh Uh-huh. What was it like? Real different. By the way, where'd you meet him? I was nude sunbathing on my patio when he was checking me out from his UFO. Guess he couldn't take it cause he lost his cool. Crash landed in my swimming pool. Ooh, neat. So he beams over to me, starts licking his lips, stroking his antennae and wiggling his hips. I'm no Albert Einstein, but I'm not that dumb. I know lust no matter what planet it's from. He said, Earth Girls. Earth Girls are easy. Earth Girls know how to please me. Earth Girls. Earth Girls are easy.
1: (laughs) I think we can cut it off there. But, like, that is, like, what happens. If you missed it, dear listeners, if you missed it, Gina Davis is not naked, but she is in a, like, pink bikini. And that is the only difference.
0: Um, okay, but I need you to know, the song goes on to have the speaker discuss how the alien wasn't cute. He was, quote, slick as a slug with eyes as a bug. And then she runs away from him while he's groping her leg through the door. (laughs) Uh... She can't describe because what happens next is just too personal to put in a pop song. Literally, those are the lyrics. Sure. But his touch was a love drug. She had to have more. The next thing she knew, she opened the door and said, Come in, Space Monkey. Kiss me here, kiss me there. And then it just goes on to describe all of the sex and then the earth guy goes back into space and then the song just ends in a lot of earth girls earth girls are easy earth girls know how to tease me there's a who is alan thick okay you guys what's the plan for tonight whoa candy reality check we can't go out with these guys they're aliens
1: so They can still be dates. Readers,
0: my reading recommendation are these (laughs) lyrics. And I will link to them in the show notes because they are preposterous.
1: Very much so, but not so preposterous that somebody didn't go, yeah, word for word, I can make a movie out of this.
0: And then they
1: did. And then they did. And then they cast Julie Brown, who absolutely was like a writer and a producer and acting. So like so back to the thing, why does this exist? Because Julie Brown was trying to get a, like, this is going to be my... My, my Richard O'Brien moment. This is going to be my big entrance to the thing. This is going to make me a star like Madonna. Cut to... <laughs> Gina Davis and Jeff Goldblum in the middle of dating, in the middle of being engaged, just having done two other movies... One of which being something that probably sound It sounds like it's just as bad as this film. And it's called like Transylvania 6-5000. It looks awful. It's not on the list. And, and then doing David Cronenberg's remake of The Fly.
0: Gina Davis is in that? Yes. Oh, okay.
1: Gina Davis and Jeff Goldblum star in that together... They're dating the entire time. Anybody who's seen The Fly knows the the trepidation in my voice. Anybody who's not seen The Fly, it ends in nightmares.
0: I know that I've been told I can't watch that movie because one of my things is body horror. And, and
1: yeah, so David Cronenberg is just never going to be <laughs> the thing that you will enjoy. Sure. Um. Minor spoilers for a movie from 1984, I think. At one point, Jeff Goldblum's head explodes and there's a monster fly head that he has and then tries to like... His whole thing is he he turns into a fly monster man because of a teleportation accident and then he spends the last act of the movie trying to kidnap Gina Davis and make her into a fly monster like him. And then I'm pretty sure eats like, like gets shotgunned to death. But the point is, these two went from a David Cronenberg horror film and probably went, oh my God, I need a break. I need to do a movie that just gives me an excuse to make out with you the entire time. I don't care what it is. I don't care how nonsensical it is. And they're like saying this out loud at a party somewhere to each other. Just woe is me lamenting. And then Julie Brown and Terrence McNally hear her and and are like, oh, have we got a project for you? And that is how we get Earth Girls are easy.
0: <laughs> and that's how you get Jeff Goldblum and Gina Davis in this. Because were it not for them this entire movie would be completely unwatchable.
1: Right, absolutely.
0: Like, Damon Wayans does some amazing dancing in this movie. Jim Carrey is... Jim Jim Carrey. Carrey. (laughs) But this movie doesn't have substance without the leading couple. So to come to find out, oh, they were dating and they wanted a smut film that they could do in, like... 10 weeks.
1: Literally, apparently, they could not stop making out with each other on set. Can you blame them? No, I can't. But, like, to the point where, like, Julie Brown was getting pissed off because, like, let's have some professionalism for my movie here, people. Which is the other reason why I'm convinced that, like, to Julie Brown, this was going to be the introducing Julie Brown vehicle.
0: Well, to Julie Brown, I have to say... Yahoo! Earth girls are easy. I like them. Earth girls, hubba hubba hubba, know how to tease me. This woman isn't, like, it isn't high science or great philosophy. You are writing a song where the lyrics involve such anachronism, not such anachronism, where the lyrics involve such poetry as... I took the lock off the doggy door, so come back, Moondoggy, when you're ready for more. Yeah. Get off your dick, Julie Brown.
1: (laughs) This is the same Julie Brown who wrote every other song up until the random moment where all of a sudden we aren't doing original songs anymore. Sure. 70 minutes into this 90-minute film, they just start playing B-52s. And they play a Depeche Mode cover of something.
0: I don't remember.
1: And, like, that is the the cardinal sin of trying to make your own, like, cult musical. Is nobody's going to sit there and go, oh, yeah, my favorite part is when the B-52 song starts playing. And if they do say that, then you've still failed.
0: Yeah, because it's not the Julie Brown song.
1: right. It's not because I'm a blonde. Yeah, I'm yeah, a blonde. yeah, 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 yeah.
0: And I'm just ready for more.
1: Indeed. <laughs> so, like, we have seen some bad films. We're coming off of Excalibur, if I remember correctly. Hmm. I don't. I don't know if I would say this is one of the worst films we've seen. I know we're kind of railing into it. It's more that I'm like disappointed with this film knowing what they were trying to be.
0: Mm.
1: Like, maybe this is just a thing of, like, how dare you come for Rocky Horror? How dare you try to, like, match that energy?
0: I think it's because you have such a love of Rocky Horror. Such a love of
1: Rocky Horror. It's also a garbage movie, but it's fun as hell.
0: And it's not as overstimulating. It's not... Here's a th- here's the problem with this movie. It's so overstimulating that halfway through you're like, I can't catch stuff because so much is going on.
1: Right. At one point early in the film, I was saying this operates on John Waters' logic mm-hmm. because, like, just everybody seems kind of drunk and the antagonists are mean for the sake of being mean. But, like... Waters is more coherent than this.
0: Yeah. This is very stream of conscious.
1: Very stream of conscious. Very just we're going now. Especially the final moments. Like, okay, we haven't really even talked about how much the main antagonist sucks. Like Todd or Whatever the hell his name is
0: Todd or Ted or Tad. I it's one of those. It is terrible Ted.
1: Names. Yeah, you're right. It is Ted.
0: It's one of those terrible white man names.
1: You know, Ted, the shitty, cheating doctor who, like, passive aggressively hates Gina Davis, doesn't want to get married. What is it with 80s films where, like, The main bad guy, his whole thing is he just doesn't want to get married, which in and of itself is fine, but he's a douchebag about it and is going to get married anyway, but just wants to do some whoring around first.
0: Okay, name for me one other example other than the wedding singer because that's literally the (laughs) only one I can think
1: of. Desperately seeking Susan, although they're already married.
0: Okay, so desperately seeking Susan, they're already married. Go for another one.
1: (laughs) At that point, I cannot.
0: So it's just that we watched The Wedding Singer recently, and you're like, these two things are the same.
1: (laughs) That must be a theme. I mean, maybe. It it gives... I think wedding singer came out afterwards, but I'm not going to say that like wedding singer stole that. I think I think it is just like an easy plot point of how can we make this guy absolutely shitty? Yeah. Oh, he's engaged to a Hollywood A-lister and is pretending like this person isn't worth their time.
0: Which is <laughs> preposterous because Gina Davis now is still on my like List of people oh, yeah. that I'm allowed to like. <laughs> Gina Davis walks in this front door. I'm like, well, Andy, see you later. It's uh, you may let yourself out.
1: Well, that's fair. Jeff Goldblum now is on mine.
0: <laughs> I mean, fair,
1: <laughs>
0: fair. I also love Jeff Goldblum. Uh, listeners, this is a bit. Over, like, not related, but his IMDb picture is just him in a ridiculous sweater against a yellow background, smiling. And you're like, are you senile yet? I can't tell.
1: No, I mean, it's it's not senile. He looks baked out of his mind, (laughs) is what that picture is, listeners. It's, yeah, if you go on IMDb, I promise it is the Jeff Goldblum picture. But, like... This man has never not been just, like, liquid sex in some way, shape, or form. Mm -hmm. Whether it's Ian Malcolm or him now or him in Earth Girls Are Easy where, like, you've got the two comedy dudes doing comedy stuff and Jeff Goldblum does that, like... A little bit, enough so that it's not weird, but is much more interested in like having piercing staring eyes into Gina Davis's and like repeating stuff in this questioning way, but it's somehow sexy to hear him say like phone phone call. Be like, oh my god, what are you doing to me, Jeff Goldblum?
0: Jeff Goldblum. <laughs> I I oh dear. Well, also, there's one point where Gina Davis explains the concept of Mr. Right to him. Mm-hmm. And then they're lying in bed. Or not lying in bed, because this is before they technically get together. But the thing he says is like, I am not Mr. Right. And then he looks off sadly, and you're just like, Jeff Goldblum, I would do anything for you. <laughs>
1: <laughs> exactly. And so, like, it becomes the... the- mind-bending logic of the film forcing you to try and accept this preposterous notion that, like, they aren't immediately going to be together. Right. Because this film just kind of car crashes into an ending in which Damon Wayans and Jim Carrey get captured and are going to be dissected And there has to be a zany nurse, doctor, Gina Davis, Jeff Goldblum sequence. They convince Ted that he is going insane.
0: Which is great.
1: Which is great. And then add a hat on top of a hat where, by the way, Jeff Goldblum does have the addictive love touch, as mentioned in the song. (laughs) And anytime he uses it on anybody they immediately get, like, blissfully horny. So he does it to Ted to, like, get them to drive back to their suburban house where the spaceship is. And along the way, Gina Davis is suddenly like, yeah, Ted, we'll give it another shot. And you, the listener, you, the watcher, are sitting here like, okay, she's doing this to, like, lead him on and... This is all a bit. But then, like, she starts packing a suitcase when there's no reason for her to be and is, like, saying a tearful goodbye to Jeff Goldblum. And, like, for a second, the aliens are going to go back into space and our ship is going to be ruined. And then Gina Davis is just kind of like, oh, wait, no, I'm being dumb.
0: I'm being dumb and then somehow the love touch is redirected to her cat and Ted looks at the cat
1: way too amorously. Ted grabs the cat and is like holding it on his chest like, oh, Fluffy, I never knew you felt like this, which is very uncomfortable because there's a like 0% chance that five minutes after this film is over, that man is not attempting to fuck the cat. hmm <laughs>
0: Well, that's what he get. I mean, Fluffy doesn't deserve that. No. But Ted deserves that.
1: You know what? Fair. This is a movie with a cameo of real life L.A. celeb model Angeline. But I told you this. Listeners, if you don't know, Angeline's entire thing is she was like Pamela Anderson before there was Pamela Anderson – got a billboard that she paid for herself that was just like her doing a pinup spread and then was like, I'm here, L.A., commodify me, deify me. And L.A. went, yes, okay. She is in this movie randomly for the clout and it is maybe the most normal thing that happens in the film. (laughs)
0: I love that so much. And that's so L.A.
1: Yes. I
0: I heard that.
1: (laughs) I heard it too. I heard
0: it. Oh, no. It's so L.A. though because it's like, hi, I made money. I bought a billboard. I put it up. You all see it when you're stuck on the 405 and you're just sitting in traffic. And then here's my face. And it's saying, I am what you aspire to.
1: Yeah.
0: And then... Boom! She's a movie star of personality alone.
1: Yeah, which is an, an amazing accomplishment just for the fact that there was no support system. It, it, listeners, if you're interested, there's a Peacock series starring Emmy Rossum that like just came out, literally about this person. It's like called Angeline. Oh, so there's my watching recommendation. <laughs>
0: Um it's like influencers before there were influencers. You
1: know what? You are absolutely right.
0: Yeah.
1: But yeah, this this film is a lot and there are like hand-picked moments that are enjoyable. Gina Davis is a sweet and very simple character in this but she's Gina Davis. She's stunningly beautiful. I enjoyed watching Gina Davis. I enjoyed watching Damon Wayans. I hope it was Damon Wayans actually doing his own dancing cuz if so the man is incredibly talented in like his dance off against minor antagonist not Morris Day <laughs> from Purple Rain. I enjoyed blonde twink Jim Carrey. <laughs> And I did not enjoy this film. I will not be watching it again. No. However, it is our belief on cult fiction that even films that we do not enjoy deserve the praise of the Academy Awards when they are so often overlooked. And so, with that said, I was able to still find an Oscar for this film. Were you?
0: I was. I think it's a bit pulling hairs, but I think I was. I mentioned that our three aliens learn by hearing, and so I would like to award this movie Best Example of Immersion Education in Media.
1: You know? So for anyone unfamiliar, immersion education being?
0: Being complete immersion in a culture's spoken language and just day-to-day life such that you really have no choice but to assimilate. Okay. And you're just like, okay. And there are people who swear by it. It's unsafe is the problem. So it's why it's not adapted in regular everyday situations. But uh, one example I've heard of it, my high school French teacher was like, yeah, I didn't speak French, but I toured with a French ballet company I didn't speak a word of French but it was how I survived and then randomly in a cafe one day someone hit on one of my ballet partners Mm. and apparently she just started cussing out this person because they were being really vulgar and rude to her friend and then her friend French well and then her friend she didn't even know her friend pulled her away and she was like where did you learn to speak fluent French from I don't (laughs) understand and she was like uh, what
1: <laughs> okay, that is awesome. And so, yes, to your point, after like 20 minutes of just listening to Earth sounds, mm-hmm. only some of which are words, our three aliens are able to then like process English specifically,
0: mm-hmm. specifically
1: LA English, specifically LA English. <laughs> and and make it work. So you know what? Fair enough. I, I, I think that's a really great Oscar, and I agree. I, Thank you. I cannot think of another example in like movies where that is so effective.
0: Thank you. What is your Oscar?
1: Even more hair splitting. <laughs> okay. I would like to give Earth Girls Are Easy the Oscar for Best Shady Review. So in researching all of this, I heard like Roger Ebert basically said, like, I liked it. It's stupid. (laughs) I had to turn my brain off. But once I did, it was fun. And a lot of the same stuff we've been talking about where it's like it's very, like, bombastic and the vibes and no critical thought can exist in enjoyment of this movie. But the quote I want to pull is Earth Girls Are Easy is messy, silly and not particularly bright. Qualities, it comes by honestly and deliberately. They literally said, it comes by it honestly.
0: Which for those of you who don't speak Southern like I do, that means not only are you stupid, your daddy's stupid too, bless his sweetheart. Lord help him.
1: Not only is this movie stupid, everybody who worked on this movie in like a writing, producing, directing capacity (laughs) is kind of (laughs) stupid. But, but bl- God bless them.
0: But bless their sweethearts. They don't know any better.
1: Exactly.
0: They don't far, fall too far from the tree.
1: So that is my Oscar.
0: I love that very much.
1: And just randomly off the cuff, I would also like to give Earth Girls Easy the, the uh, award for best huh, of a sequel. Because Julie Brown does the same thing that Showgirls does, where, like, there's a Showgirls 2 Penny's Revenge. What? There is a candy spin-off film that, like, I don't even think you can find.
0: <laughs> oh, speaking of things that exist of this movie, um, there is a musical mm. that existed in um, Wick- Wicked, uh, Frozen... Pushing Daisies, Kristen Chenoweth, was cast as Valerie. And which the, she can make it work. Which she could make work. And the only reason we just don't have this is because 9-11 happened the same week that it <laughs> opened. And everyone was like, yeah, no, I'm not going anywhere crowded right now, Kristen Chenoweth. And Kristen Chenoweth went, you know what, New York? Fair. I love you.
1: Is that the only reason? Because <laughs> I read the same thing, and what I read is they did not change any of the music. They were oh, keeping no. the songs from the film in the musical. I mean, I'm sure that's
0: not the only reason. I'm just sure it's, it's probably the, the biggest, biggest reason. Right.
1: <laughs> you know what? Fair. Fair enough.
0: <laughs> you know what else is big?
1: Oh, listeners, the eyebrow raise <laughs> as Stephanie alluded to, I'm sure, our love for Kevin Bacon.
0: I was going to say Kevin Bacon's vast and illustrious career.
1: Kevin Bacon's vast and illustrious, illustrious Bacon?
0: Career. Yeah. <laughs> <laughs>
1: Yes, on every episode of Cult Fiction, we like to play Six Degrees of Kevin Bacon, whom we clearly are lusting after (laughs) in some capacity. His face looks
0: like
1: it's melting. Oh, God, you're right. But, yes, okay, so, Earth Girls Are Easy joins the illustrious elite of Six Degrees of Bacon movies in that it can be done in a single film.
0: Yes, it can. Yes,
1: it can indeed. So, without any further ado, would you like to go on three?
0: No, that never works.
1: Okay. I'll just
0: let you say it.
1: Well, so this film has Michael McKean, a.k.a. the other guy from Spinal Tap, as like, Willie the Surfer Bro Pool Boy Guy. (laughs) Michael McKean is in Planes, Trains, and Automobiles with Kevin Bacon. Correct. Also, Michael McKean is in The Big Picture with Kevin Bacon.
0: Wait, what? It not can only be done in... It can can be done
1: with the same actor in two different films.
0: In one move.
1: In one move.
0: That's a cult fiction first. That is. Ta-da! It is the
1: single greatest thing about this film to date.
0: <laughs> oh, that's it's Oscar. Oh no! <laughs> well, let's see if our next film is as illustrious.
1: Oh god, I I don't know how much more illustriousness I can handle. <laughs> However, it's really not up for me to decide because on every episode of Cold Fiction, we put our faith in the Hollywood crypt through the application of a random number generator and our list of 279 cult films. And next time on Cult Fiction, we will be watching
0: number 150. And
1: number 150 is a shit ton better than this movie, ladies and gentlemen. Next time on Cult Fiction, we will be watching the John Landis, Jim Belushi, Dan Aykroyd, Musical Comedy, The Blues Brothers.
0: Ah, I'm so excited. <laughs> oh, I'm so happy. That makes me very excited.
1: Yes, me too. Oh. At time of recording. You can watch The Blues Brothers for $4 on YouTube. And available for rent on Vudu, Apple TV, and Google Play as well. Unless you own it, which you should, because this is a movie well worth owning.
0: <laughs> and on that note, that is all for our edition of Cult Fiction. If you want to keep up, you can follow us on Twitter at CultFictionCast. You can also follow, rate, review us on iTunes or wherever you get your podcasts. We'll close the crypt for now.
1: But join us next time when it's 106 miles to Chicago. We got a full tank of gas, a half of cigarettes, it's dark, and we're wearing sunglasses. Hit it. For Stephanie Johnson, I've been Andy Roel.